nope. Because the the difference is Monster Hunter International is like a whole new book series that I'm never going to be able to come back from. We're talking about the book series that you're actually on a podcast for recording live right now (laughs) in front of a studio audience. Well, you, you think can, that you I'm not prove, paying attention? You can't prove a single one of those things that you just said. Not I one. see live yeah. in the corner, and when people are like hit us up on Facebook or Reddit, Facebook? say, "Yeah, hey, right? hit us up on Facebook." Uh, yeah, hit us up <laughs> on Facebook. My face, on my space. Quite. It's on Zenga. I got a Zenga site. Go to my Zenga. What a Freudian slip that was. So, hit us up on Reddit. Tell us what a great show it was that we recorded. So I mean, supposedly, we have a Facebook lie, page, but lie I wouldn't know. Us. Yeah. Welcome to the Dresden Files Podcast! It's the Dresden Files Podcast starring all your favorite Dresden Files Podcast members. No, uh, you're not having a stroke. That's actually Ben's voice back on hiatus. Hey, back from hiatus. Like high fantasy. Uh, so, we are going to be talking about Peace Talks. Part Peace Talks. Uh, no, wait, no. It's not Peace Talks. Skin well done. Game. Talk about slips. <laughs> yep. Skin We're coming game. to you from the future, the year 2000. Wait, what? Yes. What? Oh. It is the distant future. It is the year 2000. Oh, uh, we are robots, right? Yes. Um, and we're going to be talking. Is there any news? Oh, wait. What, aren't there storyboards? We just talked about stuff? the Dresden drop. Yeah. yeah. There oh, are well, storyboards that nobody understands from the trailer. And That's not true. Pres- we identified map at least twice. That's sure. And presumably they're important because people actually storyboarded them so that they would be filmed. So it's not just randomly Dresden running down a corridor, but we don't know what it means yet. And there's people that we are not 100% sure to identify. So you should go look at them and add your own speculation to the Reddit comment or, you know, stuff. And then send us money and you can tell us what you think. Mm-hmm. See, there, that I, that's good. It was almost subtle. Good job. We're not going to read it, but we'll tell us. We'll share and we'll just t- and talk about it. It's like, yeah, yeah, maybe. No, that one's dumb. No, that was fun. That's it. <laughs> Awfully rude. Can we make sure well, we I say mean, their names when it's the dumb ones, please? Yeah. If you're giving us money, I'm not going to call you dumb to your face. Just saying. So. I respect oh. you enough to call you dumb to your face. <laughs> uh, but we're going to swear we're not kid-friendly. We're going to spoil shit. Yeah, ignore so. the baby that's actually joining us. <laughs> well, I mean... Just because he's six doesn't mean he understands what's going on. <laughs> The the thing about life is that the whole process is rated R. So I never understood <laughs> that whole like think of the children like where do you think he came from? I mean seriously. So yeah. Anyway, um, so we're on part eighty two of Skin Game. I mean Peace Talks, right? So part seven. Uh, we're pretty sure we're episode one hundred and three, right? Uh, one hundred four. Okay. God, if I counted right, I hope I counted right. Yeah. Somehow she can keep track for the Reddit postings, but not for like the actual recording. <laughs> no, I fucked so. those up too before. <laughs> yeah. It, yep. so, yes, the encyclopedia over there, keeping track of all my mistakes. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he won't watch the freaking trailer, but he'll keep track of your mistakes in particular. So. <laughs> well, one of those is important to the professionalism of this podcast, and the other one isn't. Yeah. Uh, we're in chapter 41, yeah? Yeah, what's her face is dead. And, no, Forty. Uh, Forty. Oh, okay. Yeah. And because, now we now we get to see treasure. Yes, it was it's this the little sequel moment of Harry going like, but how could Nicodemus kill his own daughter? Oh, there's shiny gold. I forget about Deidre immediately. Well, I mean, <laughs> to, to be fair, her, she sucked. So yeah. her her life is kinda eh, 
you know, it's it's not one of those like in death, you know, how everybody's suddenly an angel, right? So it'd be like, oh, she was so no, she's she's dead, and it's probably yeah. a good thing for the world. She's important to yeah. she's important to her daddy, and she's important to the paladin who's got misplaced priorities. And, and to be fair, it is a lot of gold. And he does bring it up multiple times after this on this very episode of the Dresden Files podcast. So I mean, the eh. next couple chapters. He's, he's, yeah, he, he deliberately brings her up every time she's brought up. He deliberately brings her up twice. Mm-hmm. Sure. <laughs> but he has this weird, like, breakdown moment of how could you possibly do that to your own kid? And then shiny things shoves that out of his mind. Well, it's a new chapter. What do you want from him? Justin, I can't hear you again. <sighs> I know. Um, so, chapter well, then you 40, get the pop culture line of four shiny things from Indiana Jones. Yes. Uh, Happy. Yeah. Even Michael is uh, amazed by the shiny things that they're looking at. Mm-hmm. So uh, Dresden and Archer, or Asher, oops, are going to check for magical defenses, and Valmont's looking for booby traps because they're all going to be very paranoid. And uh, Harry wants to make sure that the Genosqua can't randomly come up and eat him, so Michael's trying to go with. And, right. and they do the Gandalf thing, or is there stuff intervening? There's basically just a lot of description of how much jewels and gold and priceless art and everything references to smaug's treasure hoard you might think that space is big or you might think it's a long way to the chemist but uh anyway well it's a it's a imagine his hoard with crippling levels of of obsessive compulsive disorder and fantastic good taste because i have to imagine because hades is more than just the material wealth like smaug was all gold and gems and jewels and this and Hades has like you know priceless paintings that you've never mm-hmm. seen the real version of the Mona Lisa or something down there yeah generally with a divinity theme well they mentioned I don't know if that's just that particular section they went to because they mentioned um uh, what was it wasn't there? Wasn't it like a section off to the side where that particular mantle just happened to be Christianity themed, and that's the way they went? Mm. I thought. Like, I know it was. It was a lot of treasure all around, and a lot of paintings all around, and then it was kind of this like um, the the area they headed towards, which had this like archway or something that was uh, uh, Christian themed. I kind of thought the line was a description that uh, generally the art had to do with divinity, whether it was Christian or not. So that like it could have had the Greek divine story arts, things like that too. Well, I, I think the, the emphasis here, it, it just talks about a section on paintings of Renaissance painters and Italian Renaissance painters. And so that's why it's, it's Christianity theme. It's, the emphasis is on, it's sorted kind of by type. So yeah, divinity theme throughout, but the divinity theme uh, in this particular phrase, uh, yeah. Um, it, it looks like that's that's about showing images, theme of divinity, showing images of saints and the Virgin and Christ. So that's the, uh, he's writing there about the section on the Italian Renaissance paintings. And so it doesn't technically describe the whole uh, vault, but it's, I feel like it's got kind, of, kind of the implication that the whole vault is divinity themed. You have the triple, the two triple uh, 
goddess statues in the middle, right? So there's that too. It's not well, just either way. It basically leads into the the Christian artifacts, so it makes sense that they'd be in this. Yeah. Like, and if you organize it that well, right, it stands to reason probably some kind of similar thing with other artifacts if there are any down there. Mm-hmm. But either way, bunch of shit. Yeah, they do have the moment talking about the triple goddess of the crossroads, which is Hecate, what also happens to be all of the fairy queens uh, that Harry has met. And at some point there, Michael is going like, hey, does that person look like Molly? And Harry tries to badly cover us. No, she just has one of those faces. Keep your head in the game. Yeah. A great, a great little, a great little moment to play for laughs. I, one thing I did think uh, was interesting is that the amphitheater had literally nothing but uh, a little block of marble and then the five objects, right? But an amphitheater has interesting resonances because uh, as we read in like the symposium and other works, uh, the uh, big Greek pr- uh, productions of theater productions were all also civic and religious festivals. So, uh, that itself has a kind of divinity theme. And I wonder if there's a reason why there would be an empty amphitheater right in the middle. Is that for people to sit and look at it? What's the, what's the significance of having the amphitheater other than some kind of, I would hope maybe, uh, maybe this is another stone table kind of thing where it's, it's a, it's a location of power or something. Um, and they're, they're meant to be a, a big, it's meant to be a big amphitheater for people to sit in and watch some drama unfold on the stage. So like I don't know. All what, the what, what, dead people watching a drama? Or, well, I don't know, maybe like all the the, the greater powers. And I'm thinking like in the, in the Apocalypse trilogy, the BAT. I mean, I could buy the symbolism aspect, but I don't, I, I have a feeling that if, because he went down there and he, he extended his senses out and it was um, reserved for the objects themselves. Like the place itself sure. wasn't radiating power. It wasn't like the stone table in that essence. Oh, no, no, absolutely not. But but why would an amphitheater be in the vault? Like if if it's an armory, uh, they, that's one line that says maybe. Yeah, maybe that, that's what comes to mind. Is like you know the Colosseum, right? Would be an amphitheater if it wasn't gigantically fucking huge. But he he knows that Dresden and Nicodemus are going to throw down. He might have prepared mm-hmm. the space, you know. You know, so um, yeah, rather than that's like, true. What, disturbing what all the spirits. Said, you're right, exactly. What EG said, like who who's gonna come visit? The dude is literally a huge loner with a, a zoo of dead people. Who who's gonna make use of it unless he just likes the aesthetic, or he's like, hey, I've got all this literally priceless, one of a kind, you know, shit. Maybe I don't want the wizard slinging fireballs in a place that's gonna light that up. You know, I don't. It, yeah. It's just a thought. So. Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, there's a lot of directions Jim could go. I don't know what's really on his mind because it really just matters what kind of research he's done. He does a lot of research, but I don't know what kind of things he reads. So this is probably overreading it, but I think it it does happen to work really well in the context, the themes of divinity and all that. Sure. So the five things uh, we got, this is old known, right? The placard from the cross, the crown of thorns, Holy Grail, Shroud of Turin, and the knife. Fear of destiny. Yep. Right. I've seen on Evangelion. Yeah. But yes, 
five objects. Harry calls them weapons. Hades confirms later it's an armory. So right. we're all going to be a big deal going forward someday. Probably not in peace talks because not everything happens in peace talks. <laughs> Is that your, your firm stance? That not everything happens, <laughs> yes. Just to counter Justin. I mean, it's it's a little bit of hyperbole, but yeah. <laughs> there's there's a lot of ground to cover in peace talks let's put it that way so well i think part of the hyperbole is the hype to be completely fair peace talks so it, is it's the five years we've been waiting hyperbole yeah. <laughs> that's literally what i said yes yeah <laughs> hyperbole uh didn't we ban you for puns once already today seriously so these objects have a ton of power the, uh, it's akin to sticking a penny in an electrical socket just by trying to sense what's there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, uh, so he had Valmont checking out the stone table to make sure that it was safe. And that's when he noticed that time had stopped when she wasn't responding to what he was saying. And then someone who's taller than Dresden shows up, which is weird because seven feet tall plus whatever. And he's like, yes, it's my armory and yeah. snatches him away. He's he's behind me, isn't he? Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, that moment. <laughs> well, one thing about the objects before you move on too fast. Uh, so there's five. There's five. And okay. I think we mentioned before the thing about the um, there's always five points and the summoning circles and the circles right. and all this. B-A-T, five. And we've already seen gigantic summoning circles in Chicago. What if this is five points around the globe? And it's a whole world or something. I don't know. I, okay. I mean, okay, yeah. Well, it just that I, it would be truly epic in scale, right? I mean, we we don't know what they are. They call it a weapon, so mm -hmm. you know your your mind is going to be drawn immediately, like mine is. You know, for example, to like some kind of literal weaponry, right? But mm -hmm. uh, it's a cup, dude. I'm not gonna like. I'm not. I'm not Riddick. I'm not gonna like stab you to death with my teacup. <laughs> You know, like it's a placard, it's a crown of thorns. Like some of these things are not physical manif manifestations. Like some of them will hurt you, don't get me wrong, but they're not exactly what you'd relate to as a weapon. So yeah, they've got to be symbols, presumably for, uh, you know, uh, a circle or they get metamorphized, transmorgified somehow. Um, it's been way too long since I've been in Sunday school. So I, the thought that came to mind though was like the armor of God, right? Cause you've got the sword of truth. You got the boots of whatever, you know, that, that sort of thing. Like I said, I'd have to go look at it again and see how many components are usually named with that because five sounds right, but I can't name them all at the moment. Um, you know, so it makes me wonder if like he puts on the crown, but really it's a helmet because magic and, you know, stuff like that. So who knows? Um, but that's part of what's compelling about all this, right? Is like, once they pick up the things, they know it's a weapon, it's put in an armory, all this stuff. But, you know, it's clearly not just like a blasting rod or a bazooka or a tank or something. There's gonna be some other transformation or some other use, you know, maybe it has to do with like, similar to like the bloodline curse, right? Like th those were all artifacts that helped them focus, like a hyper-focus. So is he using it for summoning? Is he using it to to route energy? You know, are they somehow pushing the outsiders even further away? Like there, there's so many different ways to go with that. Um, 
I mean, I got to imagine in his crazy outline, he knows already, but you know, I'd be, I'm definitely, it's one of the big unanswered questions in my mind. So weapon is just colloquial. I mean, you're not going to beat someone to death with a placard, but if it shows you their true name, for instance, you use that against them. That's a weapon. If the crown of thorns turns out to be something like a precursor to the thorn manacles, but on a scale that you can uh, power down someone on like Mab's level, you know, that's going to be able to be used as a weapon in that respect. You know, it just depends on what they do and and what it turns out I mean, to be. And yes, they'll probably be part of some sort of ritual altogether, and that will be a weapon in and of itself. So there's there's like six different ways it'll probably go. We already saw the other Shroud of Turin being used basically as a battery for that plague curse, right? Any sure. one of them could be used as a battery. Mm-hmm. Yep. And that's, yeah, that's a big part of it too. And But I mean, what the hell is so big that you need five deity level batteries you know, mm-hmm. so that's, I mean, basically, if it is a weapon and it is used in a circle, it's a Death Star. It's not like, yeah, sure, the Death Star is a weapon in the sense that you can blow up planets with it. You know, like that's, to me, that's the level of, of power we're dealing with. Because the think about how powerful a fake Shroud of Turin was, let alone the real thing, let alone his four brothers and sisters. Mm-hmm. You know, like, so... Yeah. All right. So uh, Harry gets shanghaied by Hades, and he is in a, an office room, basically like a den, and stuttering, and is very scared. But they have wine, and they sit down, and Hades basically offers some guest rights of like, "You are welcome in my realm," which means that Hades can't hurt him. Yeah, despite the fact that he's got a crown of Mordite on. Yeah, because he's that badass. Yes, tiny and a big things of more dog. Mm-hmm. Giant dog, very cute dog. You don't know that. What? I don't know. It's cute. Yeah, he's always cute dog. when it's your dog. But... It's a dog. I think it's cute. I'm very simple. <laughs> have chihuahuas. Oh, fluffy. Oh, that's true. I don't like chihuahuas. <laughs> yeah, they're always exciting. Okay, you're right. Okay, yeah, but like chihuahuas chihuahua. aren't dogs. They're rats. They just bark. Well, I mean, if you put a leash on it, it's a dog. Oh, man. That opens up a whole <laughs> can of worms we're not getting into right now. You know, in Florida, so. they have giant Gambian rats. You can go get one and put a leash on it. And uh, Didn't you ask dog. me for this? Like, yeah. I might have. <laughs> yeah. Send her an alligator. Right. I mean, let me go check the pond. He might be there, so... There's there's a a nice little detail when Hades starts talking to Harry. He calls him by the correct title. A nice little attention to detail. The Sir Harry, Knight of Winter, be welcome. So, you know, rather than like uh, Harry Dresden or Harry, uh, and it only uses one name, which is nice. Uh Only uses. uh, Why wouldn't he use the title when he knows that this is Mab's orchestrated? Oh, I was going to say he's there in that capacity. Yeah. Right. Oh, I'm just saying it's, it's a nice attention detail rather than a, a list of titles like Warden of the White Council or any of these other things. He's talking about the one that's most relevant. He is exactly on right. orders. Exactly right. right. So that's but what I'm he saying. Also, it's a nice detail. He also references capital W Warden too, doesn't he? So, Well, when he when he's comparing oh, him to himself where he's like, you know, we are wardens of, right. of mm. nation states of, of nasties and yada, yada, yada. But the formal address, and when during the formal address, yeah, it's, it's yeah, nice you know, the old school. They're so polite. So. Yeah. Yes. Just like they'll be so polite in peace talks. 
when they're all together in a room drinking tea <laughs> and nothing ever not, nothing happens nobody dies except you know, the mother murphy dies of a heart attack and everyone's sad and mab goes and visits a crisis single tear wow that's my prediction for peace talks well at least you'll I, be wrong right <laughs> i can't wait to see that come out all right so harry uh ask essentially about the passage of time, making sure that nothing is happening that Hades uh, doesn't know about. And Hades says, I know exactly what you've been doing for the past several days. Right. They have a, kind of a discussion about how Hades is treated in media, like all the TV and the movies, like he paints him as a villain. And Harry says that you're not a villain, you're just the dude doing his job when everyone else decides to fuck around, literally. Right. He's like one of the few that isn't turning into a duck and getting his, you know, stuff on. So yeah, uh, Harry has a point. How jaded do you have to be to turn into a bull? <laughs> How bored and all powerful do you have to be? In your, time? I do not deny anything you say, but they are, after all, family. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> what a class act! Uh, Hades, top supporting character. He's like one scene. He's the Hannibal Lecter of this series. He's fantastic. He shows up for almost no, no time and i love him right oh no for sure i mean better like, than Fairfax. oh yeah like Fairfax is well, he interesting was in his own regard but but yeah like just the whole thing like them talking about the mythology and then i mean to us it's mythology right mm-hmm. and then the whole like oh by the way you know that that one time where they like let her on a Mary chase that was our honeymoon present yeah, <laughs> yeah, like to everyone else this is bygone era to them it was sunday brunch mm-hmm. right yeah, I still would like him to be voiced by James Woods. Everybody that can Definitely. slam Harry into the floor on his face just by thinking about it usually makes a pretty good impression. True. Pharaoh did, Odin did, Hades Mad. can, but he doesn't because he's nicer. <laughs> Eldest Gruff, you know, all yeah. the favorites. Yeah. <laughs> Anyone who can show up and basically one-shot someone, it's just like, oh, okay, yeah, we'll, we'll enjoy them. I do like how confusing Katie's description is of, like, Hecate as a person versus Hecate as apparently the six people that we know them as with the fairies, queens, and all that? Well, because once upon a time she was one thing and now she's six. Right. Very simple. Trinity is weird, man. Trinity is six? Well, Double no, trinity. trinity is three, three and one, you know. In this case, it's Hecate, two, six each, and one. Each, each queen is the equal and opposite of the same coin, so they are right. one thing together. And there's three of them when they all combine. No, it's Dragon Ball Z. They're gonna refuse and they're gonna, you know. Oh, Summon no. a dragon? Oh. I in a billion years, Mab and Titania will never do the fusion dance. No, they'll like, explode. Right. <laughs> they would literally explode if they tried to do it. it. Unless they could hold it off for like, you know, one glorious flashbang and then they just destroy all the outside. <laughs> That's yep, this is just going to get weirder in my head. So we need to, <laughs> yeah, because now I'm thinking about how the artifacts come into it and like the giant Voltron with the Spear of Destiny and the, yeah, no, okay. Uh, yeah, so I mean, he's painfully aware of this is going on. He tells Dresden that it was orchestrated and that he's, you know, it's an armory and whatever. He, they have a cute little discussion about how Kerberos is spotted in Greek. So you know, Fluffy is literally named Spot. Yes. Um, what What else comes out of this? Uh, um, 
Harry realizes what's going on. They talk about Deirdre's fate and what it will be. And, and oh, right. The whole now thing is basically with an audition, uh, like mm-hmm. the, because Hades' job is not to keep it away from everyone, but to make sure that the uh, inept are not able to get to it. Right. So that's why everything has to happen in this structured way. They have to have it as a break-in because he can't let them have it. But and all the time that Harry is trying to figure out what is Hades trying to do, Hades basically says, uh, that's not the most relevant question. So Harry just eventually asks, so why did you bring me here? Because I wanted to shake your hand. Right. And wish you good luck, right? Right. So, yeah. (laughs) What do you say to that? (laughs) Right. Like, oh, yeah, right. I am in big trouble. Mm -hmm. It's like, why, why does he, Hades, want to shake my hand? I'm a dumbass. I like that moment. So here's some, like some people just like them right here's here's something i'd be curious about it would be a legitimately interesting short story that says relatively new shades relatively few new shades come into my realm these days foremost amongst them are those who perish at the gates particularly at the gate of blood i want to hear about some of i don't know it's kind of a throwaway line but i am really interested about who managed to attempt this before or who right. tried yeah you know, who even just tried and what did they get away with, if anything? Uh, well, Hercules. but uh, right. The I mean, kind of the implication, especially with Nicodemus's fear, is that people have made it to the blood to the to the gate of blood, and then whoever was quote unquote the inside man or whatever you want to call it just didn't open it. You know, so um, yeah, I, I don't know. know like, they were going to be the inside man. Right. Oh, sure, 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 sure. You know, so well, I, I'm sure a fair number of attempts failed there. And then, you know, but I'm I'm definitely curious, like, who's got the hood spot to be able to pull that sort of thing off to even get that far? Because, you know, it's, again, there it's impossible not to draw the parallels between the Gate of Blood and Vormir, you know, in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, where one of the more compelling... Um, theories that I saw was that the whole Hell and Odin thing, the reason why he stopped and they had a falling out is because the the second um, power stone that he found was the soul stone. And when he went to Vormir and realized he was going to have to sacrifice his daughter, he blinked and stopped, whereas Thanos didn't, you know, so... Um, I've seen that theory and I, I thought that was very compelling is that, you know, Odin was not that bloodthirsty. And so you can imagine like somebody gets to the gate of blood and they're like, wait, really? Like, this is what I got to do? Hard pass. But you're curious about who in the world, like, you know, theoretically, we've had glimpses of most of the powerful guys. Obviously, Goodman Gray comes out of hardly anywhere. Um, you know, there have got to be other secret people, but like, does Dracul try to get in? You know, like who else is on operating on this level or even higher? You know, it's I doubt Fairfax is running around trying to do it. He's got a job. So who are these uppity mortal types that would try this sort of thing? You know, but it doesn't have to be mortals, right? I mean, like, so the Red King could have probably tried to do something like this, and he has the um, whatever f- fucker temple virgin person. Sure, like, she would have. That one, yeah, she yeah. would have probably. When you have people that you've been like mentally brainwashing for years and years, why would it fail at the gate of blood? I well, take this a step. He doesn't. He makes a distinction that these here to not to keep them away from mortals, just the incompetent ones. I don't right. think Dean's like. 
the red. I mean, yeah, the Red King could use immortals to do it, but I don't. You know, that seems to me the kind of thing that would extra precautions would be taken against. Like this is all also still done with Hades' essential blessing. Mm-hmm. He's not helping, but he's not actively interfering either. So you think right. Hades would interfere if anyone wasn't mortal-ish? Yeah. Okay. I well, have to and- imagine it would be at the very least, even if they got through everything, but they were like, you know, I don't know, Hebes. I'm pretty sure he would just be like, all right, Spot, eat them. Right. You know, they wouldn't get out. So along those lines, in the in the who would do this and who have we been seeing and whatever, you're mentioning the Red Council, but take it a step further, they're puppet masters. So would Cal and Kamori or somebody in the Black Council try it? And did, how did that work out? You know, because they're the only other ones in recent times that I could see trying to pull that off. And, and they're necromancers. Sort of, well, the other thing about... Yeah, also they, a good point. They could probably uh, if they can control a spirit in the underworld, then all they have to do is just control it to lift the gate, right? They're probably the only one. That's why they might be the only other ones that could even bother undertaking this because when you're getting to the gate of blood, this is the, the Denarians, even amongst themselves, are traitorous, backstabbing assholes. The only reason this worked is because of the really screwed up unique relationship Nick has with Deirdre. When you're on the bad guy team, you can't trust one way or the other who's going to do what to you. You know, you you think you're working along with these people and then they try and push you into the salamander or they trip you up at the gate of ice or they just don't fucking pull the lever when you're at the gate of blood. So all these guys that play for Team Bad probably aren't even going to bother attempting it because they're never going to be able to... You'd have to be on the level of narcissism that Nicodemus is to even think you could control the elements enough to get this far, let alone have someone get you to the finish line. And even he, it doesn't even work out for him. He doesn't get the artifact he really wants, and his fucking daughter dies. Well, and, and on top of that, I don't think that anybody more powerful than the current team could even really attempt it either, just because there's that whole uh, principle in the Dresden verse of uh, the more powerful, the more restricted uh, right. you are. Matt can't so just walk Andurial, in and turn everything off and get the shit. That doesn't work. The, the Andurial guy couldn't do it, but Nicodemus could. Goodman Gray can do it because he's this weirdo something. Um, the Genosqua is the only really magical beast. Everyone else is a a mortal of some kind, like a, a human mortal of some kind. Well, he's a so, Bigfoot, and we, I think we count those as mortal enough, right? Oh, that's true. That's true. Right. I, 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 in my mind, I always picture him as like an angry ant group thing. But yeah. you're right. I mean, everyone, everyone down there has essentially got some version of a soul or free will that they can tap into. Right. And anybody who doesn't wouldn't be able to do it. Whereas, uh, even though even though Harry's kind of operating on the level of he's the uh, uh, he's a, the he's under, there under the auspices of Winter. He is the mortal under the auspices of winter. And that's literally the job of the night. So uh, the interesting thing is you couldn't have uh, like one guy just do it unless you're talking Kemmler level, baddie, magical master. And then you'd still have to have the, the devotee. Uh, like you probably, you probably couldn't, Molly probably couldn't have even been on this strike team. Right. No, no, not at this point. You know, in the cold days, yeah, sure. But now... Nope, she's got her own shit. She's got to do. So, yeah. uh, so I'm. Is Hades in on not just the uh, uh, the audition? Is he in on the whole the scam that, as we hear, get revealed at the very end between the Mab and revenge uh, between right. Mab and Academus? Is he in on that half of it, or well, is he, he seems to at just... least know enough to know that Mab is doing something? 
Yeah, I mean, yeah, since the end, they had a discussion, like right. you know, when when they're talking with Mab and Marcone, that you know, you set it up with Hades to do this. Whether or not he knows point by point, hey, Mab wants to screw over Nicodemus in particular is, I you know, maybe, but it's it's not as important as knowing that this thing has to go down this way. Yeah, like if if anything, I could see the conversation going something along the lines of like, oh, hey, I'm coming, I'm coming for the weapons, and he's like, wait, now, why now? Well, okay, so it's going to be relevant soon, and also I've got an opportunity to really fuck with somebody who needs it. Say no more, you know. Like right. '80s knows right. enough about what's going on that you know it doesn't factor into it for him per se, just so much as like, you know, it's what's going on. Um, well, and then also, and also, Mab is not maybe she's not family family because she's the fairy version now and not he kate but she's like an in-law she's there's some kind of relation between the greek gods and the fairy queens i mean they clearly. they clearly have some kind of relationship so yeah at a minimum they would have a mutual respect mm-hmm. right being that they're on the same general level of team reality power. yeah team reality right yeah. so okay so uh the last thing that they were talking about was deidre and her fate and uh, Hades says uh, she will stay in my keeping. And Harry six says, "Like, wait, she gets to just skate on all the things that she did." And Hades gets really mad. Right? No, he will. Maybe do- should revisit the classics if you mm-hmm. think that I'm going to let her off light. Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, it's like, "Are you ready?" I guess it better be Blackfire, and he's transported back to Valmont, saying that uh, the stone table it is basically fine. There's no rigging device that she can see. And he's like realigned as to what he has to do, grabs all of the uh, artifacts that aren't the grail and tells Valmont to put him in her pack, which he only half filled with diamonds anyway. And he puts the grail in the middle to make it look like there weren't five Mm -hmm. artifacts, so. Yeah, Valmont has this weird like hesitation. It's like, I'm only in it for money and revenge, but she realizes that she's taking things away that Nicodemus would want and box at it anyway until Justin tells her to trust him essentially well he says when has he ever done wrong by her yeah but it's just gone by scorecard she screwed him over a lot more yeah yeah. it just it seemed weird to me when she should be able to see how that is the revenge right well what would she know i mean as far as she they only know she's going for the the, he's going for the cup what are the what is that to her i mean she she knows what the other artifacts are she recognized the shroud Right, when it's up close and brought to her, but she's just giving it a halfway glance and then she's looking at glittery shit. I mean, what does she care about a bunch of religious artifacts that she can't even feel about? She was the least impressed with the glittery shit. Well, she was the most methodical going for value that she can get based on value per pound and what she could fence it for and all that shit. You know, like if she, you know, things like emeralds are probably more valuable, but they're a lot rarer and they're probably a lot harder to move. So, okay, well, I'm just going to load up on diamonds. That's easy. What I think is interesting in this interaction is that uh, Anna, he, he, he kind of does the trust check to Anna, which has been running through this whole story. And we'll see it at the, uh, we saw it with Deidre, but we'll also see it at the end and at the beginning with the, uh, you know, the lackeys that Nicodemus has with their tongues cut out. With some faces, so the squires, right? Uh, And so, and just even though she's the career criminal, Harry just implores her, literally just as a personal favor. Anna Volman is an unsung hero here, just because he only holds on to one. She gets three of them, and then the cup he puts uh, in the middle, back in the middle. Mm -hmm. So she, she, 
she takes most of the uh, objects of power and just simply on an issue of trust, which I think is an interesting little moment. We see that throughout the book. It's like well, she's, she's the Frodo of this story. She's, she's the ring bearer. So. I won't go that far. Okay. <laughs> I mean, Frodo failed and sucked at the end. So that. that you dare vital. steal from me, burglar? Yeah, she can be Bilbo. That's fine. Right. Okay. So everybody meets up with them and they have a nice chat. Yes. Uh, they all, except for Michael, have things that they've been carrying and uh, bags full of jewels, probably. And Harry has the Spear of Destiny in his left sleeve that is next to his uh, aluminum brace broken wrist. Mm-hmm. And then he starts taunting Nicodemus because he uh, Nicodemus is wary of picking up the grail, worried about booby traps, as you should be. And then so Harry picks it up and starts saying, hey, about your daughter that you seem to love so much. I mean, I really want you to just read it because it's so amazing. Like Starting where? I mean, like, you could is- you could start with right before. I don't know how they said it in your time. <laughs> okay. So, all right, let me find it. I it, it's sick, but it's fucking amazing. It is like some of the best work in the series, in my opinion. You know, like so he picks up the grail and it's like, "This is what you came for, right? This is what your daughter died to give you." Hey, if I dropped it, do you think it would break? Because the gravity seems to be higher in the underworld. All right. Um, you said she was the only one you trusted back where you murdered her. Call me crazy, but it seems to me that it's going to be a long, cold, empty place for you for the next few millennia. I mean, talk about having an empty nest. That coin in your pocket must feel pretty heavy right now. Nicodemus is breathing heavy and about to lose control. And Harry is like, this is the best plan ever. Must have been really difficult for someone so used to wielding power to realize that as a result of the life you'd led, there was no one who would willingly come with you, willingly let you slaughter them, willingly pull that level for you after you had. I bet you chewed over that problem for years trying to crack it. Did it hurt when you realized what you were going to have to give up? The funny part is that bit about her being protected from hell. You brought her here and expected that she wouldn't get her sentence. Have you read Greek mythology? Isn't Nicodemus Greek anyway? Yeah, I mean, technically. Oh, he's so, well, it's, it's yeah. a Greek name, but right. yeah, it, it's mm. a, everyone spoke Greek on that side of the empire. So. <laughs> he, was, he was, what, a Roman tax collector, I think. Is the Something like that. From a word of gym. Yeah. All right. Do you know the kinds of things Hades sentences people to endure? At least hell is, by all reports, more or less non-discriminatory. Down here, they get personal. Did you just try to give her a comforting lie at that last minute just to make sure she pulled the lever? Nicodemus says, give me the grail or I am going to kill you. And Harry's like, do you remember the first time you saw her, the first time she looked at you? Do you remember that change, that shift when the whole universe suddenly tilted? Do you remember looking at her and knowing how you would never, ever quite be the same person? Do you think the couple do that for you? I don't know how you said it back in the day, but I'll bet you anything her first word was data. Yep. Yeah. And then Eddie said in an utterly flat, utterly dead voice, kill them. After he had a single tear. (laughs) There's a single tear. And just like in proven proven guilty, he went a little bit too far. Right. (laughs) I I love the ending of this chapter because Harry's like, I win? Right. (laughs) (laughs) 
You know, at that yeah. end of the game right there. Oh, it's an interesting... Yeah. Uh, he says game well, over in the next chapter. He doesn't have to play nice anymore. At least obligation done. Gave him the cup and Nick yeah. said kill him. It's not... It's not next chapter though, right? Because the next chapter is the explanation to be like, so I've been running so, the gambit. No, yeah. no, no, not this yet. This next oh, is chapter okay. is essentially the revealing of all who all the bad guys are. And right. then there's a chapter of revealing of gray and then gotcha. blah, blah, blah. Gotcha. So chapter 43 is basically starting of like, and now we start like lining up to fight. Uh, who's on whose side? Yes. Right. So like Janosk was like starting to fight. Nicodemus starting to fight Michael and everything. Um, Let's see. Uh, because of the blackness and the ability for Anduriel to work in the shadows, Harry does a Lumio spell for light and making sure that it can't touch them. Uh, starts throwing ice balls, essentially, because even though the Janosko can ground magic, he still has to deal with physical ice if it hits him. Mm-hmm. Uses it very well. Smart. Uh, uh, Michael basically causes a moment of stopping and talking and begging Nicodemus to turn away from his past. Ah, it's so good. I love it. It's the best chapter in the series. Just that's this interchange. This exchange is almost as good as the one you just read. Michael is look at yourself. Look at your fury and your pain. Look to where they've led you, man. Uh, your own child. And Nicodemus looks like he's about to waver. Yeah. Uh, Nicodemus eventually asks, is this what you believe this is, my chance at redemption um, for forgiveness? And Michael's trying to implore him for peace. But uh, Nicodemus continues of, uh, you think you know about commitment, about faith, but yours is a child's daydream besides mine. Michael asks him, please don't let them win. And Nicodemus says, I do not dance to the fallen's tune. We may move together, but I play the music. I set the beat. For nearly 2,000 years, I have followed my path through every treacherous bent and twist, through every temptation to turn aside. And now they follow my leadership, not the other way around. The next, the next season. Oh, yeah, go ahead. Delusional. Well, oh, yeah, right. since there's a bunch of more infighting between them than just about anyone other than like the council. So this, this last, these last two sentences here, uh, or three sentences, there's actually, here's an issue. It sounds a lot like Friedrich Nietzsche. Have you guys ever read Nietzsche? A little bit. Oh yeah, turn aside from my path. I have blazed it. I am my path and it is me. There is no turning aside. It's like, that's that's almost existential. It's like rereading that again. That uh, struck me as exactly the perfect thing, not just for Archelion to say, but it very much fits that whole whole drum of the, the man leading the fallen angels and, um, I, I blaze the path. I am my own will. You know, the eagle, uh, uh, in mm-hmm. Nietzsche, the eagle eagles, it does not think about what it does. It just is what it does. Although for Nietzsche, it's supposed to be more of a joy. This is more of that kind of nihilistic thing. Nietzsche wouldn't like that, but it's just, it's phenomenal. I think it's the such, words such are nice. similar, but the intentions and therefore the meaning is different. But let's go I, uh, and, Okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, Michael says things about Nicodemus being alone, and, and Nicodemus says, like, "Do you think I am alone?" And the Janosqua turns into Ursiel, and then it gets better when Asher turns into Lashiel. And Harry goes to Michael, "Like we really need to talk about the church and their ability to keep <laughs> coins." <laughs> yeah, the vending machine. Yes, <laughs> like yes, I'd like two denarians back, please. <laughs> 
And Michael's like, this is not the time. Uh, okay. <laughs> mm -hmm. There's a some conversation between Harry and Lashio. Lashio calls her, hello, lover. Mm. Lover? What does that mean? What are you talking about? Yeah. At least Michael's reaction is. Hell hath no fury, yada, yada, yada. Yeah. So, mm -hmm. When uh, Harry says, like, it's complicated, Michael gets all worried. Says, oh, dear. <laughs> and then it gets even more confusing when she starts talking about a child. Yeah. Um, and Hannah Asher's pissed at him because of the uh, Fellowship of St. Giles and the fact that they had all died because of changes. Right. More collateral damage. Mm -hmm. How dare you wipe out an entire nation of people eating monsters yeah. with a little bit of collateral damage? Maybe even a for lot of collateral who, damage. but For people who are on the verge of being people eating monsters. Mm -hmm. so. Well, it's more the reason he did it. He did um, it for selfish reasons. They did it for his I mean, child. Ish. So I, this is this is the classic. This is to me like it's breaking it down to uh, a classic, uh, <laughs> like wrestling for a gun moment. Right? He didn't bring the gun to the fight. He didn't load the gun. Fuck you for shooting the bad guy with the gun that he brought to the gunfight and saving your own skin. Yeah. And then, of course, it being a bloodline curse kind of like takes everything else out. But it's like, you know, there were unanswered questions on, you know, he might have saved the entire white court, you know, uh, or at least Thomas and, and his bloodline somehow. Or, you know, like he obviously saved Ebenezer as well, which was the ultimate target, therefore protecting more mortals in the long run than the Fellowship of St. Giles could ever hope to do. Mm -hmm. You know, like there, it's, it's one of those, like, it, it's one of the problems that I have with like Civil War for Marvel. Like, I know I always like to draw these parallels and whatever, right? But everybody always likes to get mad at the hero for the collateral damage that happened when he's stopping the villain, right? That's one of the new things in Vogue where it's like, you know, uh, how dare you suit up and, you know, stop that thing by blowing up the bomb in the city and killing hundreds of people instead of millions of people. You know, you're responsible for those hundreds of lives. Cool. Next time I'll just not suit up. And what do you think's going to fucking happen? You know, like that's, that's the mentality that I don't get. So like, yes, it's a little bit utilitarian. It's a little bit, we're weighing, it's the train, it's a train game, right? Mm -hmm. We're weighing the one person versus the seven. Yep. Harry sacrificed the fellowship of St. Giles. That's a bummer. They were allies, obviously. It's not like he weighed that in the moment and said, oh yeah, fuck those guys in particular. I'm going to throw them under the train so that we can get the red court. It was just, we got to stop the red court and, you know, a byproduct of saving myself here. But like, imagine not having the white council even as defunct and, and crazy as they are. Which would you rather have? The white council in its dysfunction or the Fellowship of St. Giles that barely has any real power to begin with? You know, like it's, it's a pretty easy choice. Is it sucks, but you know, like I, ultimately, it's the better choice, no matter how you spin it. The only other choice Harry had was to lay down and die, which definitely the Fellowship of Saint Giles was going to get wiped out because, again, most of them were getting ganked by Martin's dudes, not Harry and the Bloodline Curse. So she doesn't know that she doesn't she doesn't care because she's the bad guy and she's going to use it for points against Dresden. But the Fellowship of Saint Giles was dead anyway. 
is another take on that because Martin had made sure to seal their fate with his being like a triple agent, you know? So mm -hmm. he, he screwed both of them, you know, both the red court and the fellowship of St. Giles. Um, but yeah, like they were, you know, taking it a step further, thinking about it, they were dead anyway. Harry just finished pulling the trigger and then whatever. But, but you know, that last shield manipulated her into that. You yeah. Know, that, it, the, when so. she starts talking about it, it does seem, it, it kind of feels a little bit of a stretch maybe not that much, but a little bit that Lashiel is just trying to drive and Asher being crazy mad because she needs it to be. Uh, well, yeah, yeah, I'm sure Asher's uh, magic, like most warlocks is, you know, emotion driven primarily. Mm -hmm. So, you know, fire is also passion and she's going to be able to draw more of that power, you know, from being manipulated like that. And, and she's the seducer anyway, right? She's going to mm -hmm. tell you what you want to hear and what gets her what she needs. Um, which is blasted in this case, you know, so. <laughs> yeah. One thing I thought uh, Harry was a bit risky in is that what he said to Asher, like, if I had known it would happen, I'd have done it anyway, because if I hadn't, Maggie wouldn't have survived the night. He actually used her name. Right. Yeah, which, I mean, maybe Nicodemus wasn't paying attention, or maybe he did, and that's how we realized that Maggie was Dresden's. That's Right. Well, yeah, because we get that a little bit later too, right? The whole yeah. like, you know, you said that and only a father could have said that, you know, yeah. and I'm, I'm actually, it does bring up a point. I am kind of surprised he didn't know that already. You know, it's like, right. he's got to be watching Michael's place, right? And they just adopted a new kid. Where did that kid come from? Nobody mm -hmm. knows. She just sprouted out of the ground. And like, why does she have Harry's dog that right. Nicodemus does definitely know? Right. Well, watching their place, yes. But he also says... And I tend to believe him that he didn't really give a shit about Michael anymore. He says mm -hmm. it earlier. You should have just stayed away. I didn't. I, as far as I was concerned, you were, you know, because he can't get him there. His right. kids walk around with angelic protection. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, we see he's still able to get to them, but he actually has to want to. And he's been planning this shit for a while. Yeah. And he wants to enough to make a bargain with Michael to walk out of his gate in order to release Murphy and Dresden. Right. But that was opportunity. He was there. Mm. If they were doing it downtown, it's not like hey, he would have called him up and been like, hey, Michael, walk out of your gate and I'll let them through. They were on his doorstep, so. And he came outside. Opportunity. Yeah. yeah. No one's exactly rational. Which is all Butters fault. But whatever. <laughs> <laughs> it really, Asher should be mad at Butters. That's the end result of this, so. I'm no? Okay. okay. No, no, I'm perfectly happy with that. As long as she burns him to a cinder. Right. And it, well, th that's not going to happen. Spoilers, but um, anything else from the conversation before the duel? Because the duel was one of the other clever moments in, you know, in his thing. So uh, pretty much no. They just kind of have a, a really loose triangle position around Michael and Harry, who have back to back. And then Gray comes in uh, carrying a pack that looks like Velmont's. And ah, uh, right. There's and then that. Game and over exchange yeah i love gray though because he says like i never pretended to be anything but a villain right <laughs> like, well, maybe you should have been the one that hired me <laughs> well and, uh, and yet and yet he's he's confused because he sees uh, uh gray uh gray sees michael or gracie gracie's a uh, harry very very angry and it's that code it's their code he uses the code right yeah but it's it's in reverse because it's usually usually uh it would be Gray saying, uh, ha asking the question after saying the word wizard. 
mm-hmm. and then asks the question. But this one, he just leaves it at wizard, and then Harry asks the question. And well, so the- Gray says, should have been should have seen this one coming, wizard, kind of to give it away. And then mm-hmm. Harry doesn't have an indicator to Gray, so he just asks, did you really kill her? And no particular reason not to. Right. Right. Well, it's the first word is the answer. So right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. No. Right. But, but no, normally it would be uh, uh, Gray would have asked the question after saying the word wizard, and then Harry would have answered. So they had an interesting little twist here, and then uh, also, oh, this whole on the second reread, all this this whole exchange with Gray. Once Gray shows up, it it's all had carries a whole other meaning. It's yes. phenomenal. He, you know, Harry grinds his teeth. You think you understand why Harry's grinding his teeth, but it's really just. He's, he's trying to figure out what the play's trump card. It's not. Uh, he's trying he's, to keep from sp- laughing because he knows he has one. Right. right. Yeah. That oh yeah, it works. It works. Mm-hmm. So he says game over, and then they rewind three days. Right. So yeah, freeze frame. You're probably wondering how I got into this position. <laughs> <Right>? but, yeah. <laughs> oh weird. Okay. And, and, so. and Grace, Grace, literally just smiling the whole time. Because he does, uh, it's so wonderful. Anyway, okay. So, rewinding three days, Mab is visibly pissed off at Nicodemus because everything is frosting over um, wherever she's looking at it. In the limo, Harry's futzing with his new earring and they're going to meet someone. They go to McNally's and meet Kringle. Because even, like, Harry probably said Vatterung, but uh, Mab summoned Kringle because they're the same person, legally speaking, but not. Well, she, as as Vatterung explains, right, or Kringle in this case explains, she can't summon Vatterung. She can only summon Kringle. So Yes, Kringle has the obligation to show up to help the Winter Knight if she commands it. Right. It is they, weird, though, when you recognize that they're all different. The same person with just different makeup and name. Well, yeah, I mean, Gets to Harry, own, they're so functionally the same. It's a what? You know, I mean, it's, a, it's a built-in loophole. Right. <laughs> That's that's all point. Vatarung says it himself, you know. Little game of protocol. Okay. Um, so they start talking about the problem that Harry has, and he's asking for advice, essentially. Kringle eventually says that he's doing this as a belated Christmas present because it's really hard to get to Demon Rage over the holidays. It's nice to know that he actually has to try sometimes. Well, we know he has to try later. Well, he was able to do it later. <laughs> but, well, he um, says the adults on a tough. It's a tough delivery. Not that he couldn't do it if he put his mind to it. That is true. So it was a tough delivery, and Mab probably said, "Don't go." Well, I mean, you find Save out later when Mab later. says you're participating in the holiday this year. So he clearly wasn't last time around. That's true. So it's only if you're actively like hey i'm making this bike as a christmas gift because it's christmas and so now i have to give you shit if you're on a <laughs> spooky island by yourself with talking to no one then i don't have to do anything well, for you well it's partially a, a, a because of the ways where the way opens up that's why i think it's a tricky delivery yeah I, part of it probably but i'm sure, I'm, sure I'm sure kringle has a few things he can ride to get there and he could just physically go I mean, he can. Mm-hmm. The whole lake was frozen over. He's got a winter mantle. I mean, he can, <laughs> he can just like walk there. Yeah. All right. But, uh, Harry 
says, I'm just going to assume you know everything I do. That's a, probably a good start. And he lays right. out what he thinks Nicodemus is going to do, which is pretty much right. He's assembling a crew, and at least one of them is going to be a plant, probably with a coin on them. Uh, then he'll betray, and he wants to do it first because he's a control freak. Um, but then he was hoping that he was basically going to be wrong, and Kringle could find a point of flaw, and he didn't. Everything is pretty much right, so he basically says... Uh, get another person on your own side, which happens to be great because he knows uh, of four people that Nicodemus can try to contract for one specific thing. Uh, the rest of them are contracted already. Well, one of them was arrested, wasn't he? I don't remember. Or it's probably some like they were not available, and he knows Nicodemus yeah. is going to wait so, until the last possible. Two of them are under contract, and the third is presently detained. Ah. I would not be surprised due to the machinations of these particular people he's talking to, that person was detained. <laughs> Specifically to take them out of the picture. That's possible. Maybe they're, uh, they're in Mab's solar... Wait, wasn't wasn't one of the people described in Proven Guilty a shape-changer? One of the people statues? Mm, no. Mm. The only shape-changer was the fetches. Well, there was there was a trickster there was a trickster god right oh there was a nancy mm. i mean i guess you could but i don't think he's traditionally like loki where it's like shifting in that way okay i don't remember the what stories very much of african mythology which is basically nothing but okay. yeah he's a trickster but i don't think he's really a shifter yeah they do have a conversation about how endorial can uh learn anything spoken or from the shadows and that's why Mab is at max in order to make sure that the conversation is secure. Some places are secure like the Carpenter house um, and Doriel does need to know where to look but rest assured that he'll probably be watching Dresden the whole time. Uh -huh. The island so, too now that he's awakened. It. Oh that's true yeah that should be safe. Um, I like how uh, that Justin pointed out a couple episodes ago that Anduriel and Uriel are pretty much the same. They are seem to be focusing at the same function on opposite sides. Yeah. Light of God and shadow of God. Yeah. yeah they're both spooks. But I wouldn't be surprised if I'm if Anduriel was kind of like a protege of Uriel's once before he became Lucifer's lieutenant. Uh -huh. Or, you know, Lucifer's protege because he's Lightbringer. You know, either way it works. Hmm. Right. They develop the code with the refer to them as wizard or saying game over when it's all done. Um, and then with, because Harry doesn't know anything about Goodman Gray, uh, he says things like, do you want me to really trust a stranger's uh, professional integrity on the fact that he's a mercenary and he could be bought out? And Crinkle says, no, I wouldn't do that. I'm asking you to trust mine, which seems significant. Right. Oh, considering all the help he's given him for free over the years now. Yeah, he's kind of building up a good debt to the guy. I wonder when he's going to cash like that he, in. It's not like he's never Their worked gifts. with a mercenary who's good to his word before. Not in cold days. That was a favor. Harry owes him. Yeah, but he owed him like a nickel, didn't he? No, uh, it's like a nickel and a favor. No, no, I'm uh, talking about Kincaid. And Kincaid's right. good to his word enough to literally kill the guy. Oh, yeah. He has a history working with supernatural mercenaries. Right. Yeah, being true to your word is I, a very important thing. 
Well, yeah, but I, I think part of his concern was like, what if, you know, Nicodemus pays more since, you know, Harry's yeah. flat ass fucking broke. And then, you know, it'd be like, yeah, you don't have to worry about that in this case. So, and especially because what appears to be the case anyway, is that they're working in trade more than they're working for tangible goods because, yeah, you know, can be bought in the same way another person can be bought anyway. Right. That paying the rent might be some kind of like, altruistic type of type of thing or something where he has to do good quote unquote you know just mm-hmm. do, do do some kind of good act every now and again to keep his autonomy natural so, community service right so he's on parole right and be like oh bummer nick you know i just ran out of evil minutes so i gotta recharge the tank you know so i gotta help harry on this one mm-hmm. so because so i do appreciate just... that if nick had gotten to him first he would have probably been I mean, he can do all the bad he wants. Yeah. He's just, he has to. Finder was perfectly time. accepting once uh, Gray says, uh, it's like, Justin contracted me first. It's like, oh, right. okay, that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. No. All right. Uh, we're basically at an hour, and we're at the start of chapter 45 where they start fighting a whole bunch. Yes. Thank how you many for watching. More, how many more do we got to go? At least seven chapters. Woof so two more shows <laughs> now the fighting part's easy because we're just going to talk about harry being a hypocrite at that point oh my goodness i can't wait that's exciting yeah all right ben sorry I interrupted this, you. no not this has been a production of the broken jars network uh, which does Jurassic files podcast and a whole bunch of other stuff which we will now plug support the Jurassic files podcast and the broken jars network through the links down in the description below and drive through rpg stuff uh, and all that sort of thing. A bit rusty. Uh, yeah, a little bit. Delivery. A, I think it's a Patreon too. I mean, just send me oh, your vaguely. credit cards. Send me a PM. Uh, actual Atlas on Reddit. Send her your credit card details. Don't really. <laughs> don't actually do that. Um, <laughs> we have also many other podcasts and fine productions for you to enjoy and peruse at your leisure. Oh, Broken Jars fans, uh, like High Fantasy, which is on hiatus. Uh, there's DMs Anonymous. Which uh, Andreas is not here to plug. Yes. Oh, well, okay. Which Andreas is not here to plug anyway. Uh, there's also Sim Talk, a very professional simulation talk show about talking about simulations, professional like business B two B sort of stuff, like high level discussion there. Uh, but there's also, the, of course, the professional podcasting we do here uh, at the uh, Joseph Files podcast. Did I miss any? I can't remember. It doesn't matter. None of them are on. <laughs> oh, <laughs> well, thank you for it's watching. Just us. Justin Files podcast. It's uh, been, a, been a wild ride. <laughs>